The reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 through to 24. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 through to 24. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am given my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. But thanks be to God, who put in the heart of Titus the same eagerness for you that I myself have. For he not only accepted our appeal, but since he's more eager than ever, he's going to you of his own accord. With him, we're sending the brother who's famous among all the churches for his proclaiming the good news. And not only that, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us while we're administering this generous undertaking for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We intend that no one should blame us about this generous gift that we are administering, for we intend to do what is right, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of others. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found eager in many matters, but who is now more eager than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker in your service. As for our brothers, they're messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, openly before the churches, show them the proof of your love and of our reason for boasting about you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Mark chapter 5, reading from verse 21 to the end. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So, Father, may I speak now in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that your will be done on earth as in heaven. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Will you please be seated? Now, if 
There's one thing guaranteed to make many Christians squirm or feel uncomfortable in church. It's talk about money and appeals for money. Even more than Bible stories like we've just heard about women bleeding or hymns and songs they don't like. Many Christians tend to feel uncomfortable about too much talk about money, especially giving money away. And St. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, clearly knew this. So instead of asking the Corinthians to open their wallets right at the beginning, he massages them, massages their egos first. Listen again to the beginning of the epistle, this time from the Passion Translation. You do well and excel in every respect, in unstoppable faith, in powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the love we have shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. I'm not saying this as though I were issuing an order, but to stir you up to greater love by mentioning the enthusiasm of the Macedonians as a challenge to you. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for, your, for our sake, so that by his poverty we become rich beyond measure. I hope you got that. Paul starts by buttering up the Corinthians with praise. Then starts urging them to be generous. The Greek translation says they should abound in charis, which is a word that includes favor, gratitude, gift. The overwhelming meaning that it encompasses is generosity. And why not? Paul knew that under persecution, desperately poor and not as rich as the church in Corinth, the churches of Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Beria, had given more than just an extravagant offering. The churches of Macedonia had, in a nutshell, discovered the key to generous giving. The key was that they fully surrendered themselves to the Lord and gave out of a longing to fulfill God's pleasure, to delight him. It's a lesson for us, I believe, as well. First, we dedicate our hearts to God, which includes our finances. Then we give to God's work as he directs us. And throughout 2 Corinthians, giving is described as a grace that God places on our lives, which empowers our generosity. Your giving to the work of God's kingdom is essentially a measure of how much you love him. You know, we can say we love God, but if we spend far more on our holidays and the things in our life that give us pleasure than on him, do we really love him that much? Do we give him priority in our life? Note, though, that as Paul reminds us in the very next chapter, 2 Corinthians 9, God loves a cheerful giver. That you give not grudgingly out of obligation, not grudgingly because the Bible says you should tithe, not grudgingly, but in gratitude. 
It may be gratitude for the fact that you are saved. You're going to go to heaven. It may be gratitude for his saving works in your life. The blessings that you know you receive from him. Maybe gratitude for his presence with you. For all that he has done for you. The rest of the epistle today that you heard Anthea read exhorts the Corinthians to emulate the extravagant generosity of the Macedonian church. So that the church in Palestine, for whom they were raising funds for because they were afflicted by drought and poverty, would be really encouraged by the practical expression of love from their brother churches. Well, to me, the beginning of that epistle speaks powerfully and reads across to the gospel reading. The healing of the woman with the issue of blood and the raising of the daughter of Jairus. You may say, how? Well, listen again to the beginning of the reading that Anthea read us from 2 Corinthians 8. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. Why is Paul recounting or accounting for these features of godliness to the Christians in Corinth? What might he be saying to you and me as Christians similarly? I love the Passion Translation because it spells out unambiguously the godliness that Paul is describing to the Corinthians. We excel in everything. We have unstoppable faith. We have an anointing of grace to speak the word. We have revelation knowledge. We have passionate devotion. We show love. We are generous. We, that's that's you and me. Every Christian is called to manifest this godliness that comes as we intentionally seek the Lord out. As we love him. As we obey him. And as we get ourselves continuously filled with his spirit. But why is this important? What difference does this make? Well, there's no denying our Lord Jesus Christ was special, unique in so many ways, that he was just astounding, that he was the Son of God come to live on earth. As you all know, the Gospels recount the signs and wonders he did in his earthly ministry, including today's story of the woman with the issue of blood and the raising of Jairus' daughter. But the great danger is that we read the stories of what he did, marvel at them, but just think they were for then, 2,000 years ago. The sad truth is that many believers today have no expectation of God sovereignly intruding into our world just as he did in the time of Jesus. And even when we've experienced divine healing ourselves, and I know some of you have testimonies about how God has healed you, and I've shared before how one time God healed me when, when I wasn't even asking, when I wasn't even looking for healing. We know that 
But we don't make it an expectation, a mindset that we should expect the goodness of God to be manifested in our lives and in the lives of those we encounter all the time. We think that was just for Jesus or just for some spiritual superstar like the ones we associated in their time with Toronto or Bethel, Lakeland. And even as you've heard me say from time to time, Pastor Jerry Azy on NSPPD. The great danger is that we think it's for others, but not for us. Yet what did Jesus himself tell us? Remember what he said to Philip in John chapter 14, and I'm going to just read from verse 12. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. The miracles of Jesus as we hear them in the Gospels are astounding, stupendous, mind-boggling. Think of the raising of Lazarus several days after he died. Think of another young man, the widow, son of the widow of Nain, as well as the daughter of Jairus. We've heard today. But they were not just for the years AD 30 to 33. No, therefore today, even in this world terrified of its shadow because of the pandemic. But then how do we, you and I, as ordinary Christians, become participants rather than spectators at the feast? How do we become the people who do what Jesus did rather than the people who read about what he did? I remember what I said about the church in Macedonia, that they had learned the key to generous giving was to fully surrender themselves to the Lord and give out of a longing to fulfill God's pleasure. It's the same key for what I will now call generous living. Living like Jesus did. We have to fully surrender ourselves to the Lord and live life out of a longing to fulfill God's pleasure. It's waking up every day. God, who do you want me to witness to today? Send that person. Who do you want me to give that word of knowledge or to encourage today? Which stranger is it? I'll meet in Sainsbury's or Tesco's or the supermarket or petrol station. Wherever you find yourself on a train commuting to work. Which stranger is it, God? Late upon my heart's. We have to fully surrender ourselves to the Lord and live life out of a longing to fulfill God's pleasure. And so we dedicate our hearts first, which includes not just our finances and the gifts we have, but our willingness to be fools for Christ, embarrassed for Christ, as we step out to do God's work 
that we read about in the Bible and that as he specifically directs us to do. Remember John Wimber testified how he prayed for over a thousand people before seeing his first miracle. He was prepared to be a fool for Christ because you're praying for one, two, three, four, five and ostensibly they're not being healed until he, as he says, he'd got into the thousands before he saw the first breakthrough. We may feel that's too embarrassing. We can't cope with that. But you know what? People are so touched that you want to pray for them. Even if they're not healed immediately on the spot. But they acknowledge your compassion for them. That your heart has been moved to want to pray for them. And Paul reminds us, just as he did the Corinthians, that we excel and can excel in everything because Jesus is with us. We're sealed with the sign of the Spirit. Secondly, he reminds us we have unstoppable faith because God is with us and for us. So what can stop us? Thirdly, we have an anointing of grace to speak the word of life to others because we have taken them on ourselves. We listen to Jesus through the Bible and through the Spirit and are willing to trust Him. Fourthly, we have revelation knowledge because as we're seeking God out and listening to Him through the use of the gifts, tongues, prophecies, He's speaking to us, giving us revelation. And that's why we have words of knowledge. Fifthly, and this perhaps is something we should expect, we have passionate devotion to Jesus, to God, and value our ever-deepening intimacy with him because we know that without him, we are toast. You know, one of the things I said, I remember saying to friends of mine who couldn't understand why I could go into the priesthood after university and they were going on, I could have gone on like them into academia and, I couldn't believe that you would throw it all to believe in a God they didn't believe in. And I said, look, the wonderful thing about as our God is that you can walk away from him. It doesn't chain you. It doesn't imprison you. But oh my gosh, you know what the absence of his presence in your life means. You know the emptiness and the despair and the depression that will come when he's not there with you. We show love and we are generous. These are all features of godliness which Paul used to encourage the church in Corinth to be generous in their giving of money. But they're the same features that should be seen in every area of our life and ministries. You and I are called not just to generous giving but to generous living. But how do we do it, you say? It's all too difficult. I I don't have the faith that you have. Our gospel reading shows us by stepping out in faith like that woman who'd suffered bleeding, menstrual bleeding for 12 years. She could have given up. 
As the Bible tells us, she had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. She had every reason not to expect. My gosh, you've exhausted all the gov, all the healers, the physicians in your time. But rather you've gone worse. But she stepped out in faith and said, if I but touch him. It's like that for us. When we step out in faith, when confronted with hopeless situations, with cancer, with dementia, with other terminal diseases, incurable disabilities, and so forth. It's very easy to say when confronted with that, maybe it's a loved one, somebody alongside us. It's very easy to say it's hopeless, but like the woman, we just have to reach out in faith. But you see, I've done that. I've done that. I've reached out in faith several times. Well, keep Keep asking him. You see, we may have to have the persistence and faith of Jairus. Listen again to what the Bible tells us. Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. It wasn't just a, I'm the Lord of the synagogue. Can you come, please? No, he fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. That means over and over and over again. So Jesus went with him. And Jesus will hear us when we beg him. Indeed, it's changed because he's already promised us, ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. So as Paul said to the Christians in Corinth, so he says to you today, you do well and excel in every respect, in unstoppable faith. In powerful preaching, in revelation knowledge, in your passionate devotion, and in sharing the love we have shown to you. So make sure that you also excel in grace-filled generosity. Not just by giving your money, but by doing the things Jesus did for the glory of his name today. We're going to practice in a moment what we preach. But before we pray, before we declare, I'd like to encourage you with the words of a new song, which I just happened to listen to this week by Brian and Katie Torvald. It's called Miracle in the Works. Some may say it's hopeless. They must have never met my God. Some may say it's over. But it was finished on the cross. Some may say it's broken. But the healer's in the room. Some may say it's hopeless. But I know God's about to move. There's a miracle in the works. I can feel it. There's revival in the church. I believe it. Some may see an ocean. But he's made a highway through. Some may see a mountain. But we've seen a mountain move. Some may see a graveyard. But we've seen his empty tomb. Some may see a battle. 
but I know God's about to move. There's a miracle in the works. I can feel it. There's revival in the church. I believe it. Reignite us. Reawaken. Breath of God, come breathe again. Like the dry bones started shaking. All that died will live again. Oh, the miracle you're making. The beginning, not the end. Eternity is waiting to see your church alive again. You are my miracle. Jesus, you are my miracle. And he is waymaker. He is the waymaker. I don't know how you've come in today. Maybe feeling cut off from God. Maybe you've not spent much time with him recently. So you're feeling a bit in the desert place. But some of you, I hope, are feeling on the mountaintop. You've had a great time. You've been intimate with him all week. Whichever state you've come in, he's got more. More for each one of us. And I just want to... Now, I'm going to ask Eden if he's around to to play on the guitar, Eden or Sam on the violin as well, perhaps. Just instrumental, maybe the tune of Waymaker. As we stand, and you watching at home, do this as well. Stand, hold out your hands to him. Because if not just for you, for healing for yourself, for those close to you. We all need healing, especially those of us getting older. Aches and pains and other worse things. But maybe we've got loved ones who need your prayer today, your intercession. So let's stand if we can. And or even if we're seated, hold our hands out to receive from the one who gives and delights to give good things to his children. And we say, Abba, Father, thank you that you're here now through your spirit. Thank you that you're all around us. That indeed, Lord, <laughs> you touch us as we lift our hands towards you. You brush us with angel wings. You touch us with your spirit, for which we're grateful. But Lord, we say, come, revive your people. Come, revive hope. Come, revive boldness to go out and do the things Jesus did. Come, awaken deep, deep compassion within us that when we encounter those in need, we will not shirk from offering your healing prayer are declaring healing and Lord teach us to declare you didn't ask us to go and pray when you sent out the disciples two by two you told them go and heal go and declare healing not pray so give us boldness Lord to know who we are daughters and sons of the king with the authority vested in us by Jesus and to pray and see the kingdom come before us. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, as these your servants, your sons and daughters, open up their hands before you now, I just declare fullness, Lord, a fresh anointing of your spirit upon them. Bring healing where there needs to be healing in body, mind, and spirit. Bring healing, Lord, and wholeness. 
bring transformation. Lord, where there is a need for desperate change. Oh God, release your goodness today. He said, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. So I'm asking you, Lord, in the name of the one whose testimonies I've heard daily this week, raised on that NSP video altar, I'm asking you to release healing and faith and boldness and love. Your goodness, Lord, over these people, your children, your precious, precious children. Thank you, Jesus. I know this, for I've called you for such a time as this. I've called you to be my light bearers. Called you to take hope into the darkest places. For I call you simply to be my hands, my feet, my voice to the lost, the oppressed, the afflicted. Ask me daily and see if I do not bring those who need you who need your word, who need your declaration of healing and grace. Waymaker, we thank you that you call us to be the way for others. That you delight in operating through us to reach others. May we never forget that. Fill us afresh, Lord. Fill us afresh. Where we are dry and thirsty and hard, soften us with a fresh infilling of your Spirit. Release your love afresh, Lord. Your transforming love. In Jesus' name. Amen.
you, Jesus. God's healing rain, if you didn't hear that uh, watching online, God's healing rain is falling down. God's setting people free from mental anguish, depression. Thank you, Jesus. Let the sound of heaven rise from within you. For we are people of hope. Let the sound of heaven rise within you. Let the hope of heaven rise within you. We are people of hope. People of light, not people of darkness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Please be seated.